Hi everyone, welcome to Things of Interest. I'm Serena Chen. And I'm Sophia French. And today I want to talk about reprogramming our brains and bodies. And when I say that I mean curating good habits and motivating ourselves and staying focused on the things that matter to us in this wild, full-on world full of information and social feeds and whatnot. I mostly really want to talk about this because it's something that I've been working on in the background for the past year or so even. And like, ever since I've started working, I've noticed that I started to like fall into this routine of getting up, feeling tired, feeling demotivated, dragging my ass to work, coming home, feeling exhausted from a day at work, and then just spending my entire evening watching mindless television and then going to bed and repeating the process over and over again. While there's nothing wrong with that, I found it really frustrating and discouraging because I really wanted to find time to work on the stuff that mattered to me outside of work and I couldn't find time to do that and I couldn't find motivation to do that and I was in kind of like a mental and physical rut for a long time. So what I kind of wanted to do was reprogram my brain and my habits and my body to just get into a place where like, I had time to do the things that mattered to me. Sophia, have you gone through something similar? Oh, like, absolutely. And I mean, I think what you're describing there is kind of peak capitalism, right? right. Like, yeah. we, are, we are time poor, we are energy poor, and so we spend our money on things that give us like happiness in the short term. And whether those are things like Netflix or holidays, like, that's sort of how capitalism works. Um, and like... I would arguably say that that is a bad thing. Um, yeah. I've definitely, so I started working in a full-time job sort of in February, but in the job I have now in March. And over about the past month, I've been in a pretty major depressive episode, which I'm on my way out of now. And that's generally what I experience mm. in my depressive episodes is that I'm just, I'm tired when yeah. I wake up. Yeah. I'm don't want to do anything when I leave work. But I definitely also have the um probably the advantage compared to you that I really recently was quote unquote a student. Um mm. as much as a PhD is endless torment and suffering. It is also <laughs> technically being a student, which means like I remember like balancing so many things, right? Like yeah. really recently balancing like three jobs and study and like extracurricular activities and sort of like while I've definitely cut down on those, at least partly because work currently has me traveling quite a bit interstate, like I still know that like I can put time aside for those things. I think more recently the choices I've made have actually been more to play video games rather than focus on my extracurricular activities <laughs> um that's nice too yeah like I think that's on balance like quite a healthy decision like I definitely mm. don't want to burn myself out and no one's kind of been a butt about that right like everyone's pretty understanding of the fact that like I've recently gone through this major life change and so for a bit no I don't want to do that thing outside <laughs> my work time I just want to have a bit of a lie down yeah so um, a bunch of stuff that I've been trying to do, and this is going to sound like super cheesy <laughs> really quickly, but no, I, I love it. 
<laughs> so I've been trying to wake up early in the morning. Um, and by early, I mean 6.30, which I realize for a lot of people out there is just like the normal time to wake up. But for me, it's like life changing. Oh it's so early for you. <laughs> it's so early. Like when I tell this to people, they don't believe me. They're like, no, you, no, there's no way you're waking up at six thirty. I know you, and I know you can't do that. Um, <laughs> so it's it, it's been like quite a bit of a change for me, and I've been consciously trying to do that. Um, so I can have time in the morning to work on things that matter to me outside of work. So stuff like like running the coding workshop that I do and like editing this podcast and just writing random things, um, just mm. writing and reading in general. And that's been incredibly good. And I don't think I could have predicted how how much of a positive thing just waking up early would be. But it really has been. And I guess that's something that I wanted to share. Because yeah. in the morning, you've still got energy to do your own stuff. You're not like <laughs> tired and exhausted from work. So my travel for work essentially means every Monday I have to get up at 5 a.m., mm. which has actually made me a morning person <laughs> because <laughs> I just wake up at like sort of 6 or 6.30 the rest of the week. And I use that time for a bit of a meditative or mindfulness practice mm. um and I'm sort of this is going to be a bit of a convoluted mindfulness discussion I find meditation mindfulness whatever you want to call it just like stepping back and taking stock of where you're at emotionally mentally um in the absence of like engaging with screens or other people to be a very very useful practice mm. um however i'm also due to the fact that like i have extreme trauma in my past i can't do a meditation if that makes sense so like mm. if i'm in a place that i can't control where i don't feel safe if i try and meditate my brain will be like but what if what if something bad happened and like I'll just get very negative thought cycles happening, mm. which means when people talk about how good meditation and mindfulness is, I'm like, yeah, but you kind of have to tailor those to you, like everything, right? Yeah, like yeah. I think a lot of the time we get sold these ideas of like one size fits all approaches to life, and certainly like while you and I find getting up early to be really useful. There are a lot of people out there who get a second wind at like 9 p.m. And that's fine. They're allowed to do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> this is just something that's worked for us. And in a similar way, like I think meditation and mindfulness practices don't have to exist in like a specific carbon cutout of mm -hmm. how you practice those. It's just this idea of stepping back, taking a deep breath and mm -hmm. going, okay, like, where am I at in my own internal existence? What needs to happen for that to either improve or stay good or whatever else is occurring? And am I set up to take care of today? Hmm, That's really good. I found that something that I've started doing lately is just free writing, I guess, which you could kind of call journaling, except if I call it journaling, I'll feel bad because I'll feel bad for not doing it every day. <laughs> but oh. it's just um yeah just free writing so anything that's on my mind I'll kind of just brain dump into like a plain notepad or notes app and then usually never look at it again but once it's on paper or screen or whatever your preferred medium is like once it's 
out there. It's out of your brain and you just feel so much clearer and lighter afterwards. Because I, I think there must be something about the act of writing something down that your brain has to then filter through all the, the shit that's going on inside of it. And you usually come out just feeling like mm. there's a way out. Whereas a lot of the times when I get caught in like negative thought spirals, I'll be in it for fucking three to six hours, usually between midnight and 6am. And <laughs> just like, you'll be lying there thinking and thinking and thinking, and it just feels like there's no way out. But dumping all of that into actual words on paper, on screen, whatever, suddenly it's like, oh, okay. And that's done yeah. now. In a similar way to how to-do lists really work for managing anxiety is like if you're anxious about all the stuff you have to do, write it all down and then decide which ones actually matter. Mm. And the important thing to remember here is not all of them matter. Because yeah. <laughs> it can be really easy, I think, when you're really anxious about like everything you have to do, you see them all as being like extremely important. Mm. And then sometimes like I've definitely had to have friends sit down with me and be like, Sophia... No. <laughs> these ones, they do not matter. Do not care about them. Do not deal with them. Deal yeah. with, like, these three high-priority items. Um, and that's really helpful. Yeah. Another thing that I've been trying to kind of deprogram my brain from is that I've noticed ever since... I've gotten used to a bunch of social media feeds and stuff. I've noticed that I just get distracted really easily just because I think my brain is conditioned for novelty and to expect like new things at the click of a refresh button every day, every like five minutes. So that's been really frustrating because I find that it's really hard to focus on the things that I want to focus on. A lot of the time, like, I'll be pretty much in flow. I'll be working on something, and it'll be great, and I'll be totally committed to it. And then for no reason, I'll just open up a new tab and open up some kind of social media feed for zero reason at all. Like, I'm not even bored, and it's just so, like, programmed into me now. So that's something that I've been trying really hard to reprogram in my brain is just to basically be on social media less and less and less and retrain my brain to not expect the novelty so much and like I think you probably would have um, noticed that I'm just not on Facebook much at all which is probably healthy yeah <laughs> I think so too yeah and like very very slowly like I haven't been on Tumblr a lot when I do go on Twitter it's only there because I want to actually make a post rather than oh I'm bored I'll check Twitter that's been something that's quite a journey <laughs> in me trying to do but it's also something that I've found has helped a lot but something I want to ask you Sophia because I know that like you're actually quite active on both Facebook and Twitter and a lot of these social media uh, sites, but you're also like extremely productive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, I was just wondering like, how do you kind of reconcile moments of distraction versus focus? So the big thing is I don't have a Facebook app on my phone. Mm, and I neither, ignore yeah. the vast majority of my notifications, which, yeah. sorry if you ever message me, it's not that I don't love you, it's just that I don't love you enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so that that's really, really healthy, I think, is that like I just never got into the habit of checking every notification. I'll just mm -hmm. be like, okay, those are there, I can deal with them later. Yeah. I think also I'm just, I'm very good at deciding to do things and then doing them. 
And so when it comes to things like being productive, when it comes to things like writing, like sometimes there'll be a piece of writing that I don't actually want to do and I've managed to be talked into it by my editor and I will generally procrastinate that for like two days. And I know that I'm going to do that because I will have set myself a deadline. I'll be like, cool, so I can ignore this for two days and then do it all at 8 p.m. the night before I said I'd do it, which <laughs> is also already like a day before I needed to get it to my editor. And that's that's part of it. I think like I, I mean, you also played musical instruments growing up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I got up to my grade eights in piano, which meant on weekends I could just sit down and practice the piano for four hours. Hmm. and I don't quite have that saying power anymore like I know so I bought my flute to Australia relatively recently and after about half an hour I'm like oh I'm so bored no don't make me (laughs) um (laughs) which is partly because I'm now very bad at playing the flute and so like having to work to get to where you used to be is always a very frustrating experience Hmm. um and I have like incredible respect for adults who pick up new instruments like and can't play them at all Mm. but I think it's that kind of like habit that I got into like as a child and then as a teenager like working on things even things you don't necessarily enjoy like I didn't like playing the piano until I was at about grade five and Mm. suddenly I was enjoying it like I was enjoying the pieces I was learning I was enjoying practicing but that's still like a solid five years of me being like I don't want to do this I hate it I'm not interested in practicing every morning like I guess I have to but whatever (laughs) um (laughs) that sort of like very early brain training means that like now I don't find it particularly difficult if I'm like ugh, I don't want to do this but I guess I have to and I mean that's adulthood as well right to an extent so when I'm talking about like where I can see that coming from in my childhood like I don't think at all if you haven't done this you can never do this it's more just like accepting that not everything you ever do in life will be enjoyable I think the closest analogy I can reach for that because I was a horrific piano student I would never practice and I would just show up to lessons and do my best I guess (laughs) so I definitely did not have the same amount of um discipline as you did but lately I've been going to the gym four times a week and every every single day before I have to go my mind is just like I don't want to do it I don't want to do it I don't want to do it no 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 and yeah you just have to force yourself to do it because afterwards you feel freaking great and on top of the world. You feel like you've achieved something that you normally, well, I normally don't for you know the entirety of my life. It's amazing how much just like getting enough activation energy to go through that bump of really not wanting to do something and then coming out the other side. I mean, I from what I recall, it's fairly similar to getting parts of your body waxed. You're like, ugh, this is terrible, <laughs> but I'm going to be so smooth like a dolphin. <laughs> um, so just just approach everything in life like that and you'll be fine, I think. Um, I have a very... So I love going to the gym. Mm. Um, I really enjoy running, although I have to do it all on the cross trainer right now because my sneakers are old and I need new ones. And if I try and run on the treadmill or on pavement, my knees will be very unhappy with me. Mm. So when I was a teenager, I've had like, so I've had depression my entire life. And when I was a teenager, that was very much the stage where everyone in my life was like, have you tried just like getting more exercise? (laughs) And my parents were like very much bought into that, which look fair enough. 
um, <laughs> it can really help with low mood. Like mm. genuinely getting outside, getting exercise can be very helpful if you have not proper real endless depression. Um, <laughs> and so the first couple of times I started going to the gym, like as an adult, after having like started um, medication for depression and feeling a lot better, immediately afterwards I felt horrible because that was the feeling I associated with finishing exercise from like doing it as a teenager because I would do this exercise Hmm. and everyone would be like don't you feel great from the endorphins and I'd be like no (laughs) No. (laughs) I still feel like garbage what like now I'm just sweaty like what what is this and so that was really weird is like and I've heard people who um who used to smoke say it as well. Mm. Um, so, like, if people used to go, like, have a smoke after a run, they might not have smoked for 20 years, and after they go for a run, they're like, man, I could do a cigarette. Like, <laughs> and it's just kind of, like, it's very strange to me, and I say this, like, literally having neuroscience as part of my PhD, that the brain gets so used to these associations. It's just, it, I find it so bizarre and weird. Yeah, that is so weird. I guess what I'm more interested in is like how to kind of undo the associations that you that are unhelpful that you don't want and replace them with nice stuff. I mean, predominantly, it's you you make new associations, right? Like, um, yeah. there's a bunch of uh, apps. So, uh streaks is one where if you want to get into a habit and do something every day, um, that's really helpful. There's Habit RPG, which is very cute and like. <laughs> You can collect like kittens. Like I did that um, during undergrad for a little while, and yeah, I found same. that very fun. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. It didn't work for me though, which was <laughs> very sad. I feel like every time, and like I've spent a lifetime trying to undo bad habits because I am brimming with bad habits as a human, and most of the things that I have tried to do doesn't work because I try too much all at once Mm. because I have a lot to work on (laughs) and this past year um, the things that have been working out for me when I've been trying to change my habits is focusing on small things at a time and not getting discouraged when I inevitably you know relapse and backtrack and not do the thing I'm supposed to do and just kind of recording that down being okay with that and just trying it again the next day. So that's um probably the best way to approach these things. I know something that's seen a lot for people on diets is often when people like break a particularly restrictive diet, they'll mm. like just go ham. So like instead of, you know, eating one Tim Tam and being like, that was a great choice. I love Tim Tams. Yeah. Someone who's on a very restrictive diet, like Weight Watchers or even like something like Atkins, right? Would eat one Tim Tam and be like, well, I've ruined today. So they'd eat the entire packet. Mm. I mean, admittedly, look, yes, I pretty much always just eat the entire packet of Tim Tams when I open Same. them because yeah. there's only like 11. Yeah. You can't the- share them with anyone. It was like nine or eleven or something ridiculous. God, I was so proud the other day when like I took like a week to eat a packet of Tim Tams, and I'm like, finally, I'm achieving adulthood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's just this—it's this idea. Like, you need to not only be training your brain into this new habit, but start training yourself that when you don't achieve something you wanted to, you don't treat yourself like a failure. Yeah. You treat it as part of a learning process. And I mean, like this, again, I keep coming back to my depression because it's been literally the last month of my life. Um, mm. 
And that like when people are recovering from any kind of like bad mental illness spiral, whether it be depression, anxiety, drops associated with borderline, when you're recovering from that, it can be really hard the day that you don't feel good to not freak out. Yeah. So like you're feeling better, you're feeling better, you feel bad, you freak out. You're like, I'm depressed again, nothing will ever be okay, everything's falling apart, oh my god. But that's actually like a really natural part of recovery is like some days aren't going to be perfect and that's chill as hell. Mm. And so like you're not only when you try and create new habits or you try and like create a new practice of or do something different or not do something, you're not only training your brain to do that new thing, you're also trying to stop being mean to yourself. (laughs) I think that's like a lot of my secret to my productivity now is the fact that like I try not to get caught in bad thought spirals when I don't do things I wanted to do. So if I'm like, I have these goals for today, I'll knock them out of the park and I only do like half of them, then I'm like, okay, I'll do the rest tomorrow. Like, this is fine. And sort of Mm. accepting the fact that you're never going to kick, like, you might not kick all of your goals. You might not achieve everything you want to achieve. You're not going to be perfect every single day of your life. That's a really important part in creating the kind of person you want to be. Yeah. Not just giving up on everything because you tripped up once. Yeah, something I've also found really helpful because I am a just serial people pleaser and it's not a good thing. It's a bad thing because what will often happen is that I'll have like my own goals for the day, the things that I want to achieve or accomplish, and it'll just get completely sidetracked because someone will pop up and be like, help me with this thing. Someone will pop up and be like, I need your time for this, this and this. And I help out every time. And I like that about myself. I like to be someone who is helpful. But I I say yes to so many things that it becomes detrimental to the point where like I'm no longer in a position to help anyone because I need to help myself. <laughs> so something that I've found um really productive and really positive the past few months is to notice when someone's taking over your time and you can't help them if that's if that makes sense like you know when people drag you into conversations or into situations where you know that there's very little that you can do about it or you know that it's not going to go anywhere it's it's kind of prioritizing tasks but also not being a dick about it yeah yeah because like i definitely we have um the current team that i'm working with at work we have a very fluid structure and that we'll all have our own tasks but when one of those tasks gets really big we'll just pull other people onto it to help out and that's fine Mm, yeah but it also means like i have had to get into the habit of when someone asks me for advice or help with something i have to be like how long is this going to take? Because I'm already going to be here till six. Like, do not mess with me. And the first couple of times I was really scared and worried about that. Mm. But now it's just kind of like, I have to do this. Otherwise I'll be here all night. Like, I don't have time for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you've got other things to do. And people are often really respectful when you say that. It's just Mm. the barrier is like actually saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, work. How have you um, been finding it so far? Because you've been now at it for, what, like five months? Yeah, something like that. I love it. Fantastic. I love my job. (laughs) Sometimes people ask me inane questions and I'm like, this is fine. Clearly there's been a communication breakdown. Mm -hmm. This is is not like a reflection on either of our inherent abilities, but also if you ask me this again, I I will just send you emojis about it. Like, (laughs) don't do it. Yeah, no, I found, like, the big sort of 
culture shifts have definitely been the fact that everyone's working towards the same goal, which means mm. everyone's very supportive of each other. Essentially, we always want to do right by the client. Mm. Whereas, like, within a science lab, and I may have talked about this on a podcast before, I've definitely talked about it to a lot of people, because of the nature of science and career progression within science, everyone has to be predominantly focused on their own interests, their own publications, their own experiments. Mm. So, like... When I talk about, like, us being very fluid and um, sort of working with each other when we can, um, that is – I definitely got that in my PhD lab, but in the same way that I wouldn't ask someone to help me with something that would keep them there till, like, 7 or 8 p.m. at night, in my PhD lab, now if I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to be here till, like, 8, I can just grab someone on the team and be like, hey, can you give me a hand with this? And then we'll both only be here till 6 yeah that's really nice like the degree of support not only in the particular client we're working with but in my personal development i found absolutely astounding like i as part of my phd research i thought it would be good if we published some of my work i have never written a scientific paper before and i sort of asked my supervisor i'm like hey i don't really know how to do this are there any Mm. pointers you can give me and they gave me a book And I read it and I'm like, still don't understand though. And I brought it up every so often and just really wasn't offered support in the writing, the drafting, any part of that. Hmm. And I never felt comfortable giving my supervisor a draft because I'm just like, I literally don't know what I'm doing. And I know I've told them this. Yeah. But I'm still going to hand them like this, this piece of trash. Like it's basically, you know, a piece of paper that I've peed on and they'll be like, no, Sophia, like, and they'll give me the disappointed look and I hate the disappointed look. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I hate it so much whereas now it's like I can pull something together and be like hey this is really rough what do you think where can I hone it down best and my superiors are more than willing to help me out with that yeah it's just it's such a supportive work environment I have actual job security which is like I did not realize how much that was freaking me out until I wasn't having to freak out about that anymore Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, um, about a year into my job as a designer, so many friends were like, are you going to go back to science? Are you going to go back to doing physics? And honestly, it was like, no, I really love doing physics. I really do. But uh, it's really nice to have job security. It's really nice to not have to worry about where your next rent is going to come from. It's nice to work on a team with people because that's the one thing that really got me when I was doing honours was just how lonely it felt, even though we were all in the same room. And like, I think I was in probably one of the most supportive, honestly, most supportive group of honours kids. We like had lunch together every day. Like it was such a supportive environment. But when it came to the actual work and you know your actual thesis it was just like you can't you can barely talk to anyone about it because literally no one else in the world except for you and your supervisor really understand the nitty-gritty of what's going on so while like everyone was as there for each other as we possibly could have been it just still felt incredibly isolating and lonely like intellectually yeah whereas yeah absolutely yeah whereas like 
in the private sector, when I work on designs and stuff, every day I'm flicking files around to my colleagues, getting their feedback. I'm providing feedback on their work. And it really does. We, we all come from a place where we pretty much understand where we all want to go. And uh, we all understand like the context behind each of our different problems that we're trying to solve. So it's just, it's just nice to have that support. And that's something that's really missing, especially in the um, higher echelons of science where you get really into the, the niche stuff. Yeah. And I also, I really felt that my PhD was trained, like building me up to a place where it was expected that I never needed help from anyone, that I could solve all my own problems. Right. And this has like not seen me well in work, to be honest. Like I've definitely tried to solve my own problems before and then have my boss be like Sophia why did you do that like literally <laughs> we're here for you uh yeah. please ask for help <laughs> and that's that's been huge to me is like the fact that as part of trying to become a good scientist I was actually internalizing like a lot of really harmful thought processes and ways of dealing with things because like I remember my first year I was like shit I don't know shit man like mm -hmm. how, how does this work I don't know <laughs> But, like, this constant, like, if I ever misspoke, right, like, I would be mm. told off often quite harshly by my supervisor who's, like, words matter and you need to use exactly the right ones. Yeah. And I understand that to an extent, right? Because words do matter and you need to use precisely the right yeah. ones. But when it happens within, like, a meeting with colleagues that you can follow up on in, like, half an hour if you realise you got the word wrong – that's a much less of a problem than when you do it in like a talk or if you say it and then like immediately correct yourself, that's not an issue. Whereas if you double down on the wrong word, it absolutely is. And that was like, that kind of fucked me up. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm definitely within five months, so much more comfortable voicing my opinions and thoughts at work because mm -hmm. I know if I use slightly the wrong word, people will be like, oh, did you mean this word? Instead of being like, Sophia, no. Wrong. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I find it kind of sad because I truly, really do love science. Yeah. And it would be nice, in an ideal world, it would be nice to be able to practice that with things like support and job security and just a, a nice environment, you know, to, to actually do the science that you love to do. Yeah. yeah. I have never done anything that makes me as happy mm. and as fulfilled as lab work does, as solving problems, using cell lines, using the various techniques that I learned in a wet lab. Like, that is where I feel most at peace mm. in my life. Mm. But I cannot have that with yeah. the necessary payoffs yeah. that you you give up for being a postdoc like I just I can't like for my own health for my security for my stability for my Absolutely. family even yeah I can't yeah my favorite thing about like physics and math is that you'll be staring at this ridiculous problem for days on end and then one day kind of like the stars align and everything suddenly makes sense and you get this moment of clarity where things just start fitting uh and it is i can't describe it it's like the most euphoric kind of feeling that all of this like toiling and hard work and just you know tearing your hair out over this problem uh for days on end and suddenly like 
things start to make sense. And it's kind of like in that moment, the universe is working again and everything's okay. <laughs> and that's just, it's just the best. It's just the best feeling. <laughs> yeah. Kids, sciences are cool. Yeah. Do a science degree and then either drop fix out. science from the inside <laughs> or like, yeah, drop out, leave it forever. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the thing, right? Like, I looked at my future and I was like, man, I'm going to have to prove my intelligence to every motherfucker I ever meet in this yeah. career. Yeah. And I do not have time for that. Like, I'm a busy lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you are you a procrastinator? I feel like you are, but Absolutely. tell me in your own words. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, yes would be the short answer. <laughs> yeah, just like for my entire life, ever since I was a kid, before when I said that I am like full to the brim with bad habits, I was really not overestimating anything. So ever since I was a kid, like I never had a bedtime. I would always stay up just for the sake of it, just for literally no reason at all. And because I did that so often, a lot of the time, like I wouldn't, if I had like a school project to work on or an assignment due or whatever, I just wouldn't do it until about 10 p.m. the night before. And then I would stay up the entire night working on this thing. And then hand it in the next morning and just be destroyed the next day. But repeat it quite often because I don't know why. It was just like the only way I knew how to live, I guess. That was going to be my next question. Like, do you have any thoughts as to why? Like, was it sort of a fear of failure that meant that if you were doing things last minute, like, then it's like, I did it last minute anyway? Maybe, maybe. I think it's a combination of a, a whole bunch of things. I don't know, because I think I just have very bad self-control in contrast <laughs> to your very good self-control, just like extremely bad self-control in that if I don't want to do something, I just won't do it. Uh, and it's not like a, it's not a high bar. It's a very low bar for if I don't want to do something. So if I just don't feel like doing something, but it's not even hard, I just won't do it for the longest time. And put it off and put it off and put it off until I can't put it off anymore. And I do that for things that I can't fail at. Things like laundry and like the dishes and making my bed. So I don't know if it's a fear of failure as much as it's just an incredibly bad habit. I, I honestly don't know. And I could think, it be could yeah. it be like a desire to maximize like essentially the utility of your time? So like you wanna feel good all the time you want to be doing things mm. that you're finding engaging yeah and laundry isn't engaging so you don't do it <laughs> yeah I think it's also a big part of what makes me such a bad procrastinator is that whenever I'm thinking about the things that I have to do it's not just laundry or making my bed or doing my homework it's literally every single thing that I have to do mm. um so what ends up happening is that I'm overwhelmed by the like literally 20 things in my mind that's floating around that I know I need to do. And they're all reasonably straightforward and easy tasks. And because there's 20 of them and I have a hard time prioritizing them, I just end up usually just sitting wherever I'm sitting, usually with a laptop open, not doing anything uh, for, for a very long time. And that's like when I talk about how this past year I've been trying to kind of reprogram all of that, that's one of the biggest things that I've 
been teaching myself. A way that I found that has actually really helped with my procrastination is like I've started making active choices about things. It's like Mm -hmm. if I don't do my laundry, it's because I've looked at my laundry and I've been like, no. (laughs) And I've walked (laughs) away from it. (laughs) And that way, like, it kind of – because, like, a big thing for me is control. Mm -hmm. So, like – the times in my life where I've been most unhappy, I felt like I haven't had any control either of my internal environment or of things that are happening to me. Hmm. And so I find like I'm actually both happier and like I procrastinate less a lot of the time. If I just like say either no or not right now, it was like I was unpacking the dishwasher yesterday and well, I started to, I opened the door and I'm like, oh, everything in there's still wet. Mm, no. Yeah. And I just closed it and I sat in the sun for a bit nice. and then I got up and I unpacked the dishwasher because it was like I'd made that choice rather than yeah. letting sort of like the passage of time happen to me. Mm. Yeah. So what has been good for me is first of all, writing everything down because most of the time throughout my life, I would keep all these like tasks hanging over my head, like a literal gray shadow. <laughs> And I just feel horrible about it for weeks on end and not do any of them. Um, so just writing everything down and then putting like numbers next to each of them to prioritize which one to do first and kind of just getting into the habit of learning how to prioritize things. And like you were saying before, kind of identifying the things that don't matter and not doing the things that don't matter. Just saying, I'm going to decide not to do laundry today because I have an assignment due in two days and it is really important to me. So I'm going to just focus on that. Basically, prioritize your mental resources. And, uh, I mean, I am learning this from scratch as a grown-ass adult. I think most people do, right? Like, this active choices thing has definitely sort of happened to me, even, like, relatively recently, right? Hmm. Rather than me letting laundry pile up, I have now chosen to let that laundry pile up. Right, right. I am a strong, independent human in control <laughs> of my life. Yes. Yeah, and I guess that's that's the same thing as the priority thing, right? Like, if you're prioritizing other things above, say, laundry, then you've chosen to not do something as much as you have chosen to do something else. Yeah, so that that's really helped with my procrastination these days. Yeah, but as a kid, oh my god, like, growing up... <laughs> All throughout uni, it was it. I don't quite understand how I got through school and university as well as I did. Because Look, I Serena, was... to be honest, me neither. <laughs> like yeah. I don't understand how you did it. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like there was, oh my gosh, here's a story for you. Embarrassing story, but hilarious. The one time that I did not make it home is the time that I fell asleep on campus on the university lawn because I was so sleep-deprived from all of the, like, all-nighters that I've been pulling to, like, you know, finish assignments and whatnot that I just could not walk the 200 metres that I had to walk back to my house. And I literally fell asleep for three hours on the lawn. Oh, my God. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. When I tell that story, it's like, oh yeah, I didn't make it this one time because um, I, I fell asleep on the lawn. And people were like, oh wow, were you drunk? Like, were you partying just real hard? And I was like, no, I had to do a lot of assignments in, <laughs> in, <laughs> in a row and uh, pull a lot of all-nighters. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I I really don't know how I did so well at uni. I mean, look, I wrote most of my honours dissertation in one day because I'd been putting it <laughs> off because I really didn't want to do it. And then I came in about a, the day about a week before it was due and I'm like, okay, I have to write it. Yep. And so I sat down at 9am and I worked until 3am and then mm. I'm like, cool, this is a draft. And I sent it to my supervisor. I'm like, hey, hey, Stephen, won't be in tomorrow. Uh, yep. You can probably tell why. Yep. <laughs> uh, here's your first draft. <laughs> and that was kind of a point where I was like, I don't want to do that again. And I proceeded to do it a number of times during my PhD, not mm. because I had like deadlines, but because like that is how you I forced myself. Yeah. I forced yeah. myself to do things. I'm like, I don't want to write my discussion. Oh, I have to. Okay. I guess I'm going to sit here until it's done. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I found throughout uni as well, is that, like, you know, in first year, you'd establish these habits of handing something in at the very, very, very last minute. And then, yes. like, getting an A plus and being like, oh, oh okay, I guess that worked. And then no, I, I handed everything in, like, two days early. Oh, that's amazing. I fucking, I was, like two minutes before the deadline <laughs> running in full speed with like my paper in hand just every time and because I didn't get a bad grade from it my brain was just like oh okay yeah so that worked so I can totally do that next time and so when next time came around I inevitably would wait till the last minute and just do it all again so I bad. tend to explain it to people as I really like fucking around and so yeah. I'm very efficient. So I just get stuff done and then I hand it in and I'm like, cool, now I can go hang out with my friends because I don't have any assignments to do. <laughs> Bye. Mm. <laughs> and like a similar thing absolutely at work and that I'm just like very efficient and good at stuff. And particularly for like the first couple of weeks on my current um, project, like they would just run out of work to give me and I'm like, no, that's fine. Like <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I can like do what well, e-learning. I don't know. Like you just let me do this. <laughs> And, like, it set me pretty well. It's just, I don't know how I, like, got into those thought processes. I was just like, if I do things efficiently and, like, hmm. to a quality that I'm happy with, then I can just, like, have a nap. That's really good. That's something that I'm really trying hard to get myself into. And I think I've been, I've made quite a lot of progress. Yeah. Um, because, honestly, not that hard to make a lot of progress from where I came from. Um <laughs> Low bar, low bar. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like just doing things like prioritizing. I do a lot of at work when I realize that I've got too much distraction going on, I will excuse myself to a little nook and cranny somewhere in, in the office building, somewhere that no one can find me. And I'll announce to everyone, hey, I'm going to go into a focus pod for about three hours. I won't be available on chat. I won't be available anywhere. If it's extremely urgent, you can call me, but I won't reply to anything else. Um, bye. And that's been really good to actually carve that time and space out for myself. I'm doing it with the priority thing and actually like sitting down and getting the two out of 20 things that I need to get done rather than the 20 out of 20 things that I need to get done. So it's been a journey, but um, I think, you know, we're going in the right direction. Yeah. No, you absolutely are. Like, and... Again, like, this is this is part of growing up, right? Like, mm -hmm. you sort of figure out what works for you and what has worked for you, but is ultimately super destructive. Mm. And I think, like, this is sort of a process that a lot of people go through, um, often around the end of undergraduate, where, like, say if you coped with all of your emotions by drinking, 
you sort of get to your job and you're like, this is unsustainable. I'd better figure out healthier ways to do this. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's a process. And I think that it's a process that's particularly common to New Zealand and Australia because we have that binge drinking culture, because we have this culture where we don't talk about our feelings very much, Mm. that that is how you sort of proceed through that and you develop adulthood. It's, yeah, like we just try and develop healthier and healthier habits and sometimes we take a step backwards because of whatever has happened in our lives but like generally i think we're on an upward trajectory yeah can you tell i'm optimistic today like (laughs) i like it it's good (laughs) i've also been binge watching um a bunch of like people's morning and nighttime routines because there's something about that that's like really inspiring to me the act of like crafting your own routine and Something else I wanted to ask you is if you wanted to if you wanted to share at all, you know, what what's your nighttime routine like? What's your morning routine like? And how does that kind of like help you wind down and get started for the day? So uh probably the first thing is that I'm a night shower. Mm-hmm. I find it much easier to sleep if I've just had a very warm shower. Mm. My morning routine changes. So if I'm in Sydney for work, um, I'll generally sort of get up at around 6 or 6.30, slowly get dressed, maybe read a bit of my book, walk to work. So I generally start work at around 8 when I'm traveling. Mm. Just because, like, it means I sort of have space in the day. If I need to do anything throughout the day, I can leave during work hours and do that because I started a little bit earlier. I will generally then go to the coffee shop, get myself a coffee, uh, read a little bit of the Australian Financial Review, which has become like my favourite paper and I feel like such a dork by saying that. (laughs) But it's like all the other Australian papers are so like, oh, we have feelings about this, we're so obviously partisan. Whereas the Australian Financial Review, you know it's going to be pro-capitalist, you know it's going to be (laughs) pro-business. But then it's also just like, hey, here's some facts about shares. And I'm like, I love facts about shares. Tell me all the business gossip. Thank you. (laughs) And there's always, like, it's so dramatic. Like, I'm kind of in love with the Royal Commission right now because it's like a soap opera but with banks and, like, there'll be, like, this big scandal happening. And I'm like, yes. Like, I do not care that much about celebrities because I believe that they have their own lives and they should have some modicum of privacy. But, like... Mm -hmm businesses are not people like get at me with this gossip (laughs) and then I'll head into work (laughs) so generally that's sort of just like it'll be quite a slow morning like in part of that sort of getting up getting dressed um Mm. reading my book like there'll be maybe 10 minutes of sort of meditation um and that can sort of take any form whether it's just like sitting on a chair and being like zenning out you don't have to do the whole cross-legged hands-on-knees thing Mm. Uh, my nighttime routine is so I start from just after work. So um, again, like if I'm in Sydney or even if I'm at home, like I'll generally go to the gym after work. If I'm in Sydney, I'll often just go for a run. Uh, but if I'm at home, I'll do like a run, cardio and weights. Mm-hmm. And I come home, cook dinner, generally like read my book or watch some TV. Yeah, have a glass of wine sometimes. That's mm-hmm. not an every night thing. It's just a, like sometimes I'll feel like wine. Um, and then shower, and generally by that time, it's like time to sort of wind down and get into bed and snuggle up. Yeah, when I'm when I'm at home in the mornings, I'll get up and I'll make myself a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just have a little stovetop thing. And it's like, so, oh, the other thing I do at nights is I put out my clothes for the next day. Because mm. I'm t- bad. At, yeah, I'm bad at choices. 
Choices so, in the morning is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just figure <laughs> stuff out and put them out and I'll pack my bag for the next day. Yeah. What about you? It's really nice. Um, so my usual routine for the past, like, three years or four has been the whole, like, kind of roll out of bed at 8.30 or 9, put on whatever whatever clothes that I can find and literally grab my bag and go to work and then come home and, like, just become human mush. <laughs> but for the past... For the past, like, few months on and off, when I have been getting up something like 6 or 6.30 a.m., which, again, like, normal time for the people, but amazing for me, is I'll I'll get up, I'll make myself some tea, and I'll work on whatever personal project that I've got going at the time. So currently I'm working on organising for Railsbridge, which is a it's a free weekend workshop to get women, non-binary people, people of colour, any underrepresented peoples in tech, and introducing them to coding in a really nice, warm and friendly, supportive environment. So that's something that I'm working on. And yeah, in the mornings I'll um, do some free writing if there's a lot on my mind. Um, and then I'll usually like bring up the laptop, bring out the the stuff I have to work on and do that, I don't know, until about 8, 8.30. And I'll get dressed for the day, go off to work. I get to work around about like 9.30ish. And I go to the gym for like half an hour, an hour at lunchtime. And I get home around about six sometimes seven depending on how much work I've got at night time I've been trying this thing where I try and wind down as early as I could possibly can some evenings I can't do that because I've got judo and extracurricular mm. stuff going on but as early as I can I'll turn off all the screens kind of thing I'll put on some light jazz music um, like light a few candles this is super cheesy but I totally love it so much <laughs> and just start like cleaning you know mm-hmm. like wiping down tables and countertops if I can uh, if it needs to you know doing the dishes kind of taking a really long shower maybe thinking about what I need to do tomorrow and like writing that down and then doing some reading and that's just been amazing it's been an incredible change from staring at a tv show until midnight and then being like oh I should probably go to sleep it's been really good. Oh, that's really cool. It's really nice. I totally recommend light jazz. I think there's like a light jazz playlist on Spotify and like lighting some candles before you go to bed because you just feel like you're treating yourself even though <laughs> it's not much. I listen to podcasts sometimes like when I'm winding mm. down for bed because like I try pretty hard to like sort of have sleep hygiene. Yeah. Which, like, sort of minimizes screens before bed and, like, make sure that, like, you always sort of have a similar routine, like, on your way to bed. The last couple of nights has been a bit chilly, so I've been really bad with that because I just want to get into bed and then I watch uh, Nailed It on Netflix. Yes. Um, what a great show. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> I would also be that bad if I was on that show. Um... Yeah, but, like, generally sleep hygiene is good. I haven't been doing very much writing or anything lately, but essentially that's, like, I'm... From what I've read and heard from talking to people, takes, like, a solid year to recover from your PhD. So, yeah, while I'm not... We're not doing any writing right now. Like, if you average my 240-page thesis, like, it's I'm It's a fine. lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't I'm need so to good. do writing. 
anytime soon. I don't know if we've announced on the show. I'm a doctor now. Yay! So I'm so oh, proud yes. of you. That's I am so cool. Doctor Sophia Friends. <laughs> Uh, expert in mitochondria fun fact of the powerhouse of the cell um true fact it came from an expert yeah mm. <laughs> i have to stop trolling my parents with genetics facts now though so um they <laughs> they will often make fun of me and say things like oh you're just stubborn because everyone in the family is stubborn like it's clearly genetic and i'll be like confirmed by a genetics expert <laughs> and i absolutely have to stop doing that because <laughs> It's not it's not true. There's no evidence. Um <laughs> have to use my PhD for good and not evil. Uh, oh well. With great power, etc. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually so proud of you though. Like ah, I'm so chuffed. It's PhDs are just nightmares. Yeah, yeah, no one should ever do them. <laughs> and and you got through it. You did it. Oh fucking ace. Thank you. <sighs> so good yeah Uh, like the first thing i did was change my work email signatures and i was like trying to get someone in a different department to do something for me and i just like (laughs) changed my email signature added it to the email (laughs) it was just like yeah i'm a doctor yeah you have to do it (laughs) congrats to sophia please send her all of your lovely messages of congratulations and i don't know maybe some pictures of doggos that would be great um (laughs) So this has been Things of Interest. Uh, We've talked a lot about our own journeys in curating better habits and motivating ourselves and, you know, doing those good things like getting up in the morning or not, if that's what's healthy for you. We've talked about procrastination, uh, how we have managed our time and sort of like, yeah, generally our journeys, as Serena said, because we're not perfect. And we own that. Hmm. And you're probably not perfect either because you're a human and humans are just really like... Fine, fleshy, I guess. Yeah, ugly <laughs> bags of mostly water, I believe is the uh, the term for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like weird blood-filled sacks with some calcium inside of us. Um, just really walking, talking meat. Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if you enjoyed this episode... <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, please do uh, leave us some comments, rate us on whatever podcast sharing app you use, and please always do tell a friend. We don't have any advertising on this. Uh, We're not going to sell you silly mattresses. You're probably fine with your mattress that you've got now. Yeah, we have no advice for what mattress you should get if you need to upgrade. Like, good luck with that, fam. Yeah, good, (laughs) good luck with your mattresses. We have no advice for you. <laughs> but that's that's how our podcast spreads, is you all telling your friends and family if you enjoyed it and sharing the love. As always, you can find us on the Twitter at Casting Interest. We're also on Facebook. And you can always drop us an email or a voice memo to castinginterest at gmail.com. And as always, I'm Serena Chen. And I'm Sophia French. And of course, stay interesting. <laughs>